Welcome to the Pete Primo Show. It is episode 135, and we are here with a silver fox, a.k.a. Guy Danes, the owner of Sales Wisdom Academy and a sales expert. But first, let me pay the bills. If you haven't bought my book, Sell a Million, what are you waiting for? Hurry up, grab it. Give me a call at 419-560-3169. Need any help implementing anything in the book whatsoever? Uh, I'm here to help. And I'd like to thank the sponsor of our show, the Mattress Industry Network Group. And I'd like to thank, thank uh, Steve Hauk. Steve, you have been a great friend to the industry, and I love watching your business grow. I love watching uh, our group grow. Over 2,000, we might be over 2,200, folks. If you are in the mattress industry, you should be in this group. It's a, it is a group run by retailers for the benefit of the entire industry. If you want to learn how to build, market, sell, and succeed in the mattress industry, this is the free group for you. Just join and tell them Pete sent you. I will be in the group every week saying hi to everybody. So without a further to do, welcome Guy Danes, aka the Silver Fox. <laughs> good, good friend and a sales expert. Guy, if uh, if I'm not mistaken, you're coming to us from South Africa today, right? Yeah, all all the way from uh, across the the big pond there, and I think I'm the only one in South Africa that had your book, Pete. Uh, <laughs> that you. What a I need to yeah. penetrate that market a little bit better. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've, I've recommended to a few people that they follow you guys on Facebook. You know, local uh, mattress people that I've, uh, you know, whenever I bought a, a bed, which uh, recently I did. But good to be here, Chris. Thanks for the back care supporting us. And uh, Pete, second time in twelve months that I'm here, so I appreciate it. So we'll have a good night. Yeah, so we'll have yeah. some laughs. We'll have some serious. You bet. So let me catch you up with the mattress business in the United States. So right now, despite a lot of gloom and doom, we are not that far off. Uh, Some of my retailers are actually up. Very few. Almost all retailers are complaining that traffic's not as good as it should be. Um, But our numbers really aren't that far off. And there's been some some signs of hope. I think that in general, even though there's less traffic, uh, the good retailers are selling better quality merchandise and they're doing a better job with what we traditionally call add-ons, but they're really not add-ons in my mind. They're essentials. I mean, nobody should buy a new Uh, a new mattress without buying an adjustable bed, without buying sheets, without buying protectors and pillows. Um, Those are essentials in my mind, but I digress. That's the salesman in me coming out. So you do a great job of talking about sales and you come at it a little bit differently. So before we jump into it, let me just ask you this. What would your advice be to my store owners right now, based on what I just said, uh, what would your advice be to them? Peter, it's fantastic. Uh, and I've made a few notes anticipating some of the pure balls, if I could call them that, because obviously in America, uh, you know, there's a bit of a wobbly, et cetera. So a couple of things is, and Tonight, most of my talk will be B2B, but in this instance, B2C. So how many of the salesmen, mattress salespeople, have actually asked for endorsements, handwritten endorsements from their clients, and how do they use those endorsements uh, to generate uh, a better relationship, whether it's um, in their own direct communication with that fides or a fast flight or customer. So that's the first thing is what type of endorsements are they getting? Are they actually getting endorsements? And how are they how are they using that? Secondly, I'd be saying to the the, the mattress salespeople, how many 
How many referrals are you actually giving to your client, your customer that bought a mattress from you at all the add-ons for five or ten or fifteen thousand uh, dollars? The, the, the customer that comes in might be of course salesman, might be selling photocopiers, might be selling telephones or cell phones, might be uh, in the in, in the tech industry, might be in pharmaceuticals. So. If you're getting endorsements and you're asking uh, your customer for referrals, are you giving the customer a referral? Um, and I don't know if that happens a lot. Uh, that's to me that 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 could be a differentiator, and it's, it it plays through the relationship and the concept. And and secondly, or thirdly, uh, I saw doing some research in, in one of your posts that you did on the. 31st of October, 2017, you, you mentioned in one of your uh, blogs that to do a hand, handwritten note after every meeting uh, or every sale and relationship building and send that, that to the client, uh, enclosed with two business cards. I used to do that back in the day in the 80s here in South Africa, but uh, for the United States Postal Service is more effective then South African, uh, we, you know, our postal service is not that good, so it's hard for us to do it here locally. But those are the three points. Am I referring customers to my customer? Am I doing handwritten notes? Am I checking the responses? And am I doing endorsements? Those are the three things that come up with top of my head. Uh, hopefully it's uh, some guidelines. Those are those are great recommendations, and I just want to unpack them a little bit more. You don't get testimonials on accident. You get testimonials as part of your sales process. And everybody, and I'm speaking to store owners now, everybody in your company has to know that you need and you want testimonials. Your salespeople need to know. Um, anyone who answers the phone needs to know. Your delivery people need to know. Everybody needs to be on the same page in your company. It has to be part of your corporate culture. And the second piece of what Guy said is absolutely brilliant because this is where a lot of people fall down. They actually get the testimonials and then they fail to use them. When you get a testimonial, it is absolutely gold and your failure to use it is absolutely devastating to your business. So how can you use testimonials? First of all, as I said, it needs to become part of your company culture. It reinforces how we behave as a company. It reinforces the experience that we deliver to the customer. It reinforces and it speaks to us, our company, this is who we are. So every testimonial gets read to the team, number one. Number two, every testimonial is advertised. It is on our website. It is on our social media. It has to be made a big deal because it is a big deal. And then if you go to one of the best retailers in the whole country, Gardner's Mattress and more, you will literally see books, thick books like this, but bigger with testimonials in them. I think there's three sets of huge books with handwritten testimonials in them. And they're segmented by people's problems. So if somebody had a back problem, that's in a section of all the people that gave testimonials with back problems. If somebody has, um, you know, a hip problem, if somebody has insert your problem, what it happens to be, there's a section for that in, in his testimonial book. So they are prominently located and scattered throughout the store in a meaningful, choreographed manner so that customers will see the salespeople actually encourage the customers to go through 
and look at the testimonials. Sometimes they find testimonials from their neighbors in there or their friends or a family member. It's very, very powerful when you use testimonials. And if you get them and you don't use them, shame on you. Really. I, I don't know what to say to you other than if you, you have to use them, your people worked hard to get them. One of the most interesting dynamics that happens in business is this. A customer that sees your advertising and they come into your store who has seen testimonials on your website in your social media, and then they see your your books, your books of physical testimonials in your store. They see those. Guess what's going off in their head? Part of being a customer here is giving testimonials. Is that customer more likely to give you a testimonial than not? Yes, they already know that part of the expectations of being a customer is given testimonials and there is no powerful dynamic to have in your in your store. So guy, I have to unpack one other thing and then we'll get get to no the problem. Neck. Perfect. <laughs> Brilliant. But, Brilliant. You know what? Handwritten thank you notes. So there is a gentleman named John F. Lawn who wrote a book called Selling Retail, who I had uh, the privilege to meet when he was still alive and to work with at Kronheim's Furniture and and share some ideas with. And uh, one of the things that he said to me was the difference, be- because I asked him specifically, I'm on the verge of being a million dollar writer when that was a big deal. Once upon a time, guys and gals, that was a big, that was a big, that was a big, uh, big thing in retail. It's not as much anymore, but it was once upon a time. And I was blessed to be one of those uh, guys um, that that put up those kinds of numbers. So um, I asked him, you know, what do the million dollar plus writers do that the other salespeople don't do? And he said, really good salespeople write thank you notes to all the customers that they sell. The best of the best, the elite, the best, they get the information to write a thank you note to the customers that don't buy from them. And they send a thank you note to everybody they come in contact with, whether they sell them or they don't sell them. And I'll never forget this guy as long as I live. I, because he said it, because he had so much stature in the industry. And I was so young and, and gullible to believe him. I did it. And I'll never forget this. I was working with this uh, couple and they had been in a couple of different times. I was very frustrated that I couldn't close them because I thought everything was right. I thought the product was right. I thought the pricing was right. The solution, the outcomes, uh, their family. I got to know them pretty good. and. It was very frustrating, but I wrote the note anyway. I thought they were long gone, and here they come two weeks later, guy. Two weeks later. And they've got this smile on their face, and I'm completely baffled, and they start laughing because I have such a confused look on my face. And I said, you know, I don't remember their names anymore, but I did remember their names back then, and I said their names, and I said, I thought you guys were long gone. What's going on? Well, we were gone. We actually bought at Furniture Land, but you know what? They still haven't delivered the furniture. They never wrote us a thank you when we bought from them. You wrote us a thank you. We loved you from the minute we met you, and we've been feeling bad for the last two weeks, so we canceled that order, and we came in here to buy it from you. And I'm like, God bless John F. Lawn. What a great man. Gave me that idea. You know, that's superb, superb. And uh, that, that leads into the golden key to sales success is uh, relationships and trust. And uh, yes. 
what I'm going to go does to, it. to this evening is, yep. And, and so, relationship. So what, what, what about, yeah. There's a time lag. Go ahead, guy. I won't interrupt anymore. No problem. Uh, so what I'd like to go through uh, this evening with the audience is my personal experience over 40 years in the sales trends with being a sales professional. Uh, there's no scientific data really to back it up. It's just from my experience dealing with a number of individuals and, and, and CEOs and, and, and clients uh, around the world now. Uh, but I'd, I'd like to ask anyone that's watching, once you have a client, what is the key thing that keeps you going, that keeps the client and you working together? So, you know, if there's people uh, would like to put in the chat, that, 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 that could be interesting. And maybe I can wait for 10 seconds to see if anyone um, puts anything in the chat. Otherwise, I'll, I'll continue, um, if I may. It's, it's, uh, I'd like to see what the audience, um, where they're out there on YouTube, uh, Facebook, uh, we, when you have, have a client, what, what is, what keeps that relationship guys? No one answers that's, uh, also good. Or Monday, the Monday is about on, on Mondays. Okay. So, so let, 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 let me move forward. The, um, what we've got to understand uh, is there is a relationship gap in every relationship we have, whether personal or business. That's where I come from. That's that's my mindset. Some people have said, no, that's not a right mindset. But then I say there are ways to minimizing the sales relationship selling value gap. And there's always a gap. And I try and look at this gap on a scale of one to ten. And I've done it for so many years. It's just in Fortnite pilot. Cause I've got to know this personalities. I've got to know the personality spells, what positions they're in. I've got to know the multi-level relationship within a business. And I see that there are gaps. Now, see, talking to you from me serving a cloud or a cloud serving, uh, or a supplier serving a cloud or vice versa. So if you see this relationship, uh, that is a value gap. What, what do you? What do we mean about value? We hear a lot of people, Peter, saying uh, we must add value, added value. I take it a step further and say, how how valuable are you being? And the world over, people say, what is what what is the lifetime value of that client to you in whatever? Where you want to define that, whatever matrix. To me, it's been one on a journey of not only keeping my business going and protecting protecting my business over twenty six years. It's actually helping my clients position their business better, and that could be better results, better structure, better strategy, better empowerment, etc., etc. So, if I may, um, can I ask Chris just to? Uh, put up the one slide, the value gap. Chris, if you could do that for me. Look at that. Okay. So, so some of the words you're not there might not be able to see, et cetera. So I'll go through it. But effectively, a lot of people say that relationship selling is dead. And I, obviously, I disagree with that. Uh, relationship selling is, is the foundation. And if you don't get that right and you don't understand it, and with every client, my, my view is every time you have context or connection with that client, you're actually building the relationship. So you're rebuilding and rebuilding your relationship every time you meet with that client. So what does that actually mean? It actually means what questions do you ask okay, that are relevant to you? your session or your meeting that day relative to their strategy or relative to their vision or relative to some of the issues they might be having in operations or distribution. Because it's about knowing that there is a gap. And if I know there's a gap, then I'm going to try to remember. So if we look at these two circles, for example, where they interlink. Now they could interlink 
on a larger scale or a smaller scale. Wherever they interlink, I say that is the red zone. And that's the gap. And we always, when we, when we deal with funds, whether it's B2C or B2B, we, we have our perception of the value we give funds, people. So we think we've given them a good value that because we've done the deal with them, et cetera, et cetera, started relation. But also you've got to know and you've got to get a feel by the right questions, a client's perception of the value they receive. And I suppose I maybe know that more than anyone else because in the coaching role, that's what the client wants to what value have they received? But the same token, when I talk about relationships, it's we have relationships at div- different levels, Pete, which means that if we have relationships at div- different levels, we can have trust at different levels. Okay. So if I've had a relationship for three years or one year versus 10 years, would, they, would that be different? And so on the left-hand side, where it's our perception for value to clients, I've got things like, do you measure your relationship level? What is the solution level that you get? Uh, what, what is the uniqueness that you bring to the relationship? And what's the investment that the client is, is paying, uh, for your, for your, uh, for your relationships? And in 2008, I came up with a message. Method called RSQP and then in brackets on I. And the R stands for research first and foremost on your client, then relationships, then service, then quality, and then price. I hate that word. Then the investment client makes with you. Because wherever you are, you make an investment. Okay. The metric business, they make an investment in better sleep and better health, etc. Um, so, it's what investment are they making and are you looking at the solution? Then on the, on the, on the other side, is there the client fit? How does the client fit with you? Are you fit with the client or is the client fit with you? Where do you position yourself? Are they happy with the investment that they've made? And I often ask clients after sessions or whatever I'll say, this relationship building of our relationship is it very important in our business dealings together, in our partnership. If I need to know, you know, and if the client is worth any salt, they say, yeah, well, it's shit, it's this, it's that, or whatever. And for example, after most sessions, I ask clients to, to, to score the session or our relationship on a scale of one to 10. Well, um, that gives me an indication. And because we're humans and because of the stuff that's going on in our brain, we always like to overrate our relationship levels. So if you, it's quite simple to actually get it in your brain. And I've done it for years. So if I think I'm an eight with a client, it's actually a six or a seven. So I know I've got work to do and I can see how they react, their body language what information they'll give me or don't give me about in terms of my questioning techniques. So, you know, it, it's, it's not scientific. It's just something that I pick up and I actually share with clients and over time they actually get a handle on it and they understand the perception of that. Okay? And what does that actually mean to their business and to our relationship? Because it's a two-way, you know, it's a, it's a two-way. Um, let me stop there. Deep and see if you please ask me some questions. Uh, I don't really want to ask you any questions. What I want to do with this information is I want to tell my store owners that if you think this applies just to B2B sales, it doesn't. It, this applies to B2C sales as well. And this value gap is very important to identify and to overcome because um, you, if if Mrs. Jones, your customer, 
is going to shop three stores today and she's reporting back to Mr. Jones. Okay. How is it? And no matter what you do, you're not closing the sale. How do you get to be the topic of conversation in a good way at the dinner table? Okay. That is delivering value. And that is what does Mrs. Jones walk away from you with that she didn't have when she shopped one of your competitors? Give you an example. You teach her how to properly test a mattress. Now she knows how to properly test a mattress. You teach her how to properly fit a pillow for her head. Your competitor doesn't do that. Who rises to the top of getting the sale? You do. So how we deliver value really becomes the value, the the top of of conversation and and guy it's fascinating to me because the way we communicate um in 1982 when I got into the business and the way we communicate today in 2023 is different i remember um my daughter trying to teach me to text and saying and me saying like a dummy i'm never going to text don't teach me how to text i love you but no thank you and most of my orders come through text. Multi-million dollar deals come through by text today, which they didn't 40 years ago when I got started. So it's all changed, guy. How we communicate has changed. And that is part of delivering value to the customers. Are you delivering? And this goes for sales reps. This goes for uh, in your store, store owners, uh, RSA, sales pros working on the retail floor. Are you communicating in a way that resonates with your customer? Is she more visual? Is she more audio? Are you communicating to her in a way that she wants to be communicated with in a way that resonates with her? And are you confirming each each piece of communication and not sounding like a robot and really getting them involved? And, you know, if you watch an old, the old TV uh, show Columbo and the bumbling detective that goes, oh, oh, and he draws people out and, and, and that's what we have to get back to doing. What is yeah. the uncommunicated? Yeah. What is yeah, what that, is the uncommunicated thing? What is holding this sale up? And yeah. us uncovering these things is so important um, in, in this relationship and trust building um, model that Guy is showing us brilliantly. Um, how do we develop trust? Do we slow down when the person speaks slower? Do we speed up when they speak faster? Do we use our hands because she's using their hands? Or do I hold back a little bit because she's not quite as expressive and I mirror and create trust? So doing these things on purpose is so important. And I just have one little quick note, Guy, I can see you want to get back at it. And I want you to. Uh, for my sales rep friends, yep. you earn the right to be in front of your retailer. You earn the right to be in front of your retailer by learning everything you can about his or her business before you ever walk in. Did you go to Google? Did you see how many five-star online reviews they got, if any? Uh, did you go to their website? Did you go to their social media? Have you asked your other rep friends about this dealer? Have you earned the right to be in front of the dealer? Because one of the greatest ways that you as a rep are ever going to establish trust and credibility is to let them know that you know that they are opening a new store. And how could I be helpful to you? And how can I, you know, or 
you happen to know that they're closing a store or you happen to know X, Y, Z, and then you ask better questions because of the body of knowledge that you've already acquired. And now you've earned the right to be in front of that retailer in a meaningful way. And how do you add value to that retailer? How do you help that retailer become a better retailer? Listen to this carefully because this is millions and millions and millions of dollars to you if you get this as a sales rep. Whether they buy from you or not, do you deliver value? Because if you do, you will always be in the money. And if you don't, you will be chasing money the rest of your life. Sorry, yeah. I got up on my oh, soapbox. Yeah. That's brilliant. And, and two pointers I pick up from there is that whether you've been in the retail game or B2B for a year, five years, 10 years, or 15 years, it's about having that self-relief. But being, being true to yourself in terms of being a total sales professional. Because our sales profession is the best thing. Whoops. If there weren't any salespeople, uh, there wouldn't be any, econ uh, any economies. And uh, to me, it's, it's really critical. And where you're talking about texting, et cetera, I've always mentioned to clients, look at where you can over communicate and how. There are a lot of clients to speak about, and they seem to get a very split of bad with the client, bad at this. So, how do you want to over communicate? Is it through texting, through LinkedIn? Through Facebook, to integrate to you're breaking up, Mister. Being And uh, it, it, it's easier if you both, but some of them. Chris, are you there, brother? We lost you. You were kind of like in and out. So repeat the request for Chris again. Oh, ah, okay. Sorry, sorry. Um, South Africa, mate, most probably the errors, uh, recording errors going on. Uh, Chris, could you bring up the expectation? Uh, Perfect. Okay. Thank that, you. Okay. So let's forget about uh, the top part. You know, that's it. look, at the end of the day, business is about tracking and keeping clients who are profitable at your gross profit benchmark and you are good payers. And uh, on the B2B, I often ask clients, have they fired any clients recently who don't meet the benchmark? But when we look at uh, this difference, like, they the expectations. So we first spoke, does the product and or service fit what the client is looking for in terms of their needs versus their wants? Because every client has needs and they have wants. And through certain questioning techniques, you've actually got to identify that and see that, yeah, this is the right product for this client in terms of the right investment, giving them the right value. We are the right service fit. I'm the right person for that. There seems to be a lot of synergies. Uh, there seems understanding. And then at the end of the day, it's, it's back the perceptions of being humble, being teachable, mutual respect, all those sort of good things, but they come into play also. So whenever I'm with it, I'm coaching them or even the clients themselves. I've got to be got to be aware of their expectations and how they fit and, and what the situation is. And by doing that continually, uh, it gives you a sense of actually really enjoying your perfection. Uh, you're going to fall a few times. You're uh, going to fail a few times. You've got to get a pattern in terms of understanding 
where your relationship is at every every stage of the being. Let me, let, and this is not a curveball, Pete. Uh, you and I have known, known each other online for uh, the past 12 months. We communicate on LinkedIn, so I've email, et cetera. I follow your posts. I've watched 95% of your shows going back a year that they're not live. And if I had to say to you, our distance, because it's actual on a scale of one to 10, without putting you and throwing a curveball, what do you, what do you believe our relationship level is? Uh, between you and me. But I, I, I put mine down here. I've already scored. But what was the other on a scale of one to 10? What, what do you believe our relationship is there? Is one the worst and 10 the best? Yes. Sorry. Yeah. One the worst, 10 the best. Uh, it's a nine or a 10 in my book. I'm going to be hurt if it's a seven in your book. <laughs> no, I, I, I've got the eight. I've got an eight. And I'll tell you why, but I appreciate your nine or ten. That's that's very good of you. Um, but I, I mentioned this just to demonstrate to our audience. Once you've been chatting and we've known each other and we've spoken now and again, we haven't had this much contact, maybe two or three hours over the past year, and we've been chatting for nearly 40 minutes. It's to actually the right time of the session or the meeting or whatever. You can do that at the end. But it's to ask these questions. And why I didn't pick seven? Because everyone picks usually pick seven out of ten. If you say pick a number, most people. Uh, but mine's at eight because of the distance. I still need to um, do some more homework and, and connect with you in, in, in different ways. And the one area I haven't connected is Facebook because that's a personal dislike of mine. I don't like Facebook for various reasons. Um, but I'm assuming that if there, if there was more contact on Facebook, I would start to have a better relationship from my side to you. So all things being even, thanks for the nine or 10 out of 10. <laughs> that humbles me. I will definitely have a, have, have a, a good, uh, a good uh, drink uh, after this to, to celebrate that. So thank you very much. You're very welcome, any... and, I, and I got some humbleness, so that's good. Okay. <laughs> 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 Chris, thanks for sharing the slide. Well, are, are there any comments coming in in the chat? I don't think so. Uh, greetings from Bancroft, Canada. Hello, Pat. Patrick. Patrick Soizeman. Yeah. Patrick got He's got his fourth book coming out. I'm yep. in the process of reading it right now, and it is a doozy. It is his best work, and he's already got three great books out there. They continue to get better and better and better. So, Patrick, thank you for being here. You got any questions for us or comments? Patrick, when, when are you going to do uh, the... Uh, a, a, a trip to the states uh, or a book signing because uh, I'm sure there'll be a lot. There's lots of uh, followers in the states for your books. Uh, I follow your posts also, um, and uh, I, I, I don't know where you find the time uh, to actually write all these books. So you always only get three or four hours sleep a night, maybe five hours. Um, okay. uh, but um, it's, it's always good to see you. Uh, it's fantastic. So, so Peter, let me just stop there and, and pause and then get any questions from yourself where you think you want clarity on. So here's my question. Um, you identify a gap. Oh, yeah. Here's Patrick. Patrick Tinney says, I have had a bunch of people trying to get me into New York, New York. We will see. Don't go. It's a sewer, Patrick. It's a sewer. Yeah. So I grew up two and a half hours north of upstate of uh, of uh, New York City in upstate New York in a town called Niskiuna, which is a suburb of Schenectady, New York, which is just outside of Albany. And um, I would not go to New York, New York. But if you're trying to sell a lot of books, that could be a great place for you. 
Come to Cleveland, Ohio, my friend. Anyway, Cleveland's not Buffalo. <laughs> Buffalo's nice. It's closer for you, that's for sure. I'll meet you in Buffalo, brother. If you you go to Buffalo, I'll meet you there. How's that? I'll be the first one in line. Uh, what was I going to ask you, guy? So here was my question. Well, guys, Patrick's got a better question. Patrick Tinney asks, Guy, what is the biggest sales challenge in South Africa these days? The brownouts. You can't communicate with people over Zoom. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, we, well that, that's a good question, and thank you. Well, to, to be honest, uh, South Africa, if you know much about country going back to 2009, we've actually been in the LSAT economy, which has made all the teams and the leaders a lot more resilient and a lot more aware of marketing and sales and the type of leadership that you need to actually uh, run uh, small to medium-sized businesses or even large businesses in South Africa. And I think the challenges are is um, understanding and anticipating what, what business risks there are that you can control or cannot control in the marketplace. Um, one of them may be an importer that our exchange rate is crazy. At the moment, I think the Canadian dollars, it's for, 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 for 15 rand, I get one Canadian dollar. Um, so oh, that's wow. as an importer, misses you up. Secondly, it's the logistics of investing in um, solar and, 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 uh, and uh, generators, et cetera, because we have load shedding here generally four, four hours a day or well, some places, um, even longer. And so that relationship with the client, you've got to be really that ahead of the game. The marketplace is very, very competitive. Uh, the ways to come about it, the ways to come about it is continually looking at what you're adding continually as a whole company to the, to, to, uh, to, uh, your clients. So at the end of the day, it's, it's to take what you can control. I know a lot of businesses in different sectors, it's like the exhibition industry, for example, got smashed in, 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 in South Africa over. 2020, 2021, but they're so resilient that they're just so sharp that they're ahead. And it's actually a pleasure dealing with a lot of stuff from the bull because they don't talk about the economy because we know it's stuff. We don't talk about the negatives. Maybe that comes out of it. We don't talk about problems. We talk about the issues and, and how to resolve things. And uh, it, it's, it's just good for a good mindset. There's obviously a lot of underground growing stuff that happens uh, below the surfaces, which one's got to be aware of and conscious in terms of your community and what you do. Uh, so, yeah, it's uh, we, we tough and resilient. Luckily, then, that answers some of your question, Patrick. Thanks, Patrick. Appreciate you. So, here's my question How do you, as a sales professional, shore up a trust gap. You identify a trust gap. How do I, how do I fix it? So, so, so how I fix it, uh, Pete, um, and how I recommend to clients is understand when you, so let's say for example, I've had a client for a year or two years and this is the 50th meeting of anxious with their fuck. But they've got to really try and understand what is, what is affecting the fire now in their business? What is this mental framework? And how can I help them? And to do that is you have to ask a key question, obviously. And what I like to do is get the client to ask me questions. Because that gives me an end. And they've always said to be a great salesman, be a good listener, and all that, which is good. But to actually try and minimize that value gap, because every time uh, 
And, and, and but many of my clients are meeting with their clients once a week or twice a month or whatever. And you've got to understand who are the decision makers and influencers around the table. And we all know that influencers play a, a, a big role today. And you've got to know who are the influencers, who are the decision makers. And that's part of your research when I mentioned the RSPQ. I um, method, you go to research because on top of relationship selling, I put consult, selling, and then solution selling. So I bring these all together as a new sales model. And my first meeting with many of my clients usually take 45 minutes to an hour. Sometimes it goes over, but I, 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 I track it that it's 45 minutes. I try to channel the conversation, control it with certain key questions that will help my client in their thinking uh, and expand. Say for a client that doesn't know too much about the financial side of the business, or go through a certain process that they don't know certain things about certain dynamics in the marketplace because they search their markets. And so continually, Getting into that mindset and being ready for it. And, uh, yeah, it's, uh, it's, uh, it's hard work. Um, but to a lot of people that are still learning, uh, and watching it, but like you and like many that have been on your show, it just comes off your tongue, you know, comes like autopilot. Uh, but there are going to be people that in the decision making and experiencing role that will try and manipulate a situation. And I always try and look at, be the influencer, you know, be the influencer, look at not manipulating, just try and be the right influencer and look where you're at and get the seven people at the table or five, get at least 90% of them in agreement with you in whatever process you're looking at to help them. The Patrick says there, I'm not talking about fake puts in here, I'm talking about followers, speaking about futures. Uh, to what are you from there? Oh, I don't really understand the question, but, but about the I, future. I, I, all... do, I do, Guy. Let me have at this, and then you jump in, okay? okay. So Good. here's Patrick Tinney. Guy, I am not talking about pain points anymore. Uh, we all, all were trained to talk about pain points, right? Sandler was out front with that. I am, all, I am talking almost exclusively about futures. I call futures outcomes. But okay. where are you on that? Do you want to run with it or do you want me to go? And I'm not, you know, I'm not outcomes. Um, obviously, at the end of every meeting, every session period, you know, what are the, what are the desired outcomes? What, what are the projects based in? What, what has been agreed up front? And it's about trying to be open and honest. You know, people say uh, the client is just you, but you is just also. It's, it's a two-way. You know, some people misunderstand me when I say you've got to meet 50, 50. You've got to meet each other halfway and for 100%, depending on one's interpretation. And you've got to say, well, this is the outcomes that we wanted. This is the outcomes we achieved. You know, it's never going to be 100%. Um, and you've got to agree, okay, if we didn't do that, Where's the value dropping in our business to be valuable to our clients? What is actually stopping us? Is it, is it that uh, point uh, in the distribution? What, what, where is that? And it's about being, today, you know, it's about being open and honest with yourself. It's a tribe, you know, employee saying, this is where we are with our business. This is where we are with us. This is what maybe one or two of our competitors are thing and should we look at this and and you within the business i call it having a circle of influence with those people in the circle of influence that are their people and i suppose it's similar to a lot of people who have mastermind groups but in your business you have circle of influence and how fresh is that circle of influence as you bring people in from time to time you actually look objectively at uh, how to be uh or how to minimize that value gap. Is the, is the team condition in such a way 
who actually talk solutions, talk investments instead of price, talk about the value of us working together. And this will be the outcome. If you XYZ, and I'm known in the States and that, that it's very hooked up in processes and what's the process. So it was that very important that I was out, and I call it without people processes, you guys get in the, and you guys have profits. Um, so it, it's just weaving this through, um, like, like anyone weaving uh, uh, a corporate, you know, uh, 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 um, any type of corporate, weaving anything in that effect. So it's, it's, it's continually being on your game. And it's exhausting. It's piling some parts. But that's what we've chosen. And it's our responsibility when we're communicating with their farm that they get the best. And you've got to up your game every farm you did. And uh, there's some days you're not going to be. So, and with outcomes, as Pep says, what are the opportunities? And I've got a sign at the back here on my wall says, there was, there's always too many opportunities to actually get a tech. I had one client, uh, he said, uh, I said, okay, let's have a look at the opportunities for the new year. Came back the next day, he had written down 19. And I said, not a hell of whatever is going to happen. Let's minimize that to three opportunities because of the workload, what was going to, to happen, et cetera. And in the, we ended up adding two more um, opportunities. So it was five opportunities we addressed in that year. So you've got to be a bit flexible. But to attack 19, if you don't have the structure and the resources, great. Okay, how do you help your salespeople deal with inflation and sales? They're not used to they're being exposed to hot cuts in culprit. What do you get? How do you deal with dealing inflation and sales? So, another good question. Um, South Africa, the inflation's rampant. Well, the states, Canada, UK, plants there, all that. Inflation is getting out of hand. So you've got to talk at a level that I'm talking B2B now. So if you're talking with the sales director of DP sales or CEO or whatever, they know the impact of inflation. And so we got to say, do we actually, um, do we actually talk about price? Or do you talk about the adjustments? I hate the word discount and I hate the word price. Yeah, I've just, I'm uh, pissed on this life. So with the inflation, the marketplace knows that there are going to be the adjustments. Okay. What investment they're going to pay. Okay. And so, so I'm confident the sales person is in actually overcoming that objection. Whenever you meet with a client, they have three main objections. One of them will always be price. We, we know that. Everyone knows that. One will always be price. So when you're talking with a, a buyer and they're an influencer of the simple like that, price will be uh, the issue. They call it trust. So they are an economic buyer. One could be um, service and quality. Okay. I also the teams of salespeople that I coach to ask clients, uh, what's important in our relationship and in, in our business partnership? Is it relationships? Is it, is it service? Is it quality? Or is it investment? The authors, straight out to the client. You've got to have that level of confidence and belief. And then the client says, well, all four, that's cool. If they just say price, the investment that are then I question and say, well, do I really want to be associated with this client? Because all they're looking at me is to be another supplier because of price, the investment side. So I always ask them, and that's why I came up with that method in 2008. Is our relationship going to be important? Our service that we give you in terms of being there when you need us, et cetera, the quality of our, in quality of our product and, and the investment that you put. Um, and so that's how I approach it, Patrick. We never use the word discounts or price increase. Um, 
When I talk with clients or they talk with clients. Hopefully that's answered there. Patrick, that was a great question. Guy, that was a great answer. Patrick, we got a couple minutes left. Do something special for my audience. Give them something special. Hold on. Let's get Patrick in here one last time. Patrick Tinney, the author of almost four great sales books. Believe it or not, but back in the 1980s in the newspaper business, I was selling 15% annual increases. These days, people freak out about a much smaller number. Yeah. Yeah, and you know what? <laughs> And Patrick, you're so right. Do you want to know something? Patrick, Patrick, yeah, and if I may interject, that's precisely the point, Patrick, is that your sales team has got to understand they've got to have three or four or five ways to overcome price increase in the amounts they are. That's the first thing. Secondly, uh, but the internet and everyone having access to all information, uh, that's, that's going to be the, uh, the, the issue. Back in the day, uh, in the 1980s, my folks and that didn't even know about the word inflation. If you go back and track, track of inflation, as inflation was very low. Uh, so, and that word wasn't spoken about in businesses, wasn't spoken about at the dinner table or around the barbecue or fry. But today, it's forefront. And everyone watches negative media. So the sales professional has got to be really on their game. And they've got to watch. If it's just a client who just uh, wants uh, the investment or price report of the relationship, then personally, I don't get involved with that. I like to take a step back. 99% of the farmers say, oh, we're not the right fit. That's why I mentioned in the, in the slides that I shared, you've got to see where you're a Yep, you're 100% right, Patrick. We used to talk about scarcity. That was our leverage tool. 100%, brother. We got to wrap it up. Guy, thank you so much. I appreciate you coming on. Talk about your book. I loved your book. And I understand you have a special offer for our audience today. Yeah, yeah, well, if I can, it's a book that was self-published in the 2016. Uh, I think uh, the uh, Chris has put the, my email address at the bottom. You just email me and I'll PDF a copy of the book. It's 105 pages. Uh, it's in two parts uh, and it actually talks to you. Uh, and hopefully it'll give you some some gems. So just email me, guidance99 at gmail.com. Uh, I'll support the email and uh, I'll pop you the pop you the hot copy on a, a, a PDF. Thank you. Awesome. Excellent. Guy, thank Excellent. you so much. If anyone wants Very to good. get in touch with you, use that same email as well. Yep. Well, that's uh, that's uh, and uh, to connect on LinkedIn. That's where, uh, you know, LinkedIn. I love doing a lot of work. The Silver yeah. Fox. Uh, I can tell you that he's very responsive on LinkedIn because that's where 90% of our communication takes place. Guy, thank you so much for coming in and sharing your wisdom with us. And uh, I appreciate you being here. Anybody that got value from this, reach out and connect with Guy Danes. And Patrick, thank you for being here. We got brother, we got to get you on the show. You got to talk about book number four. When's the book launch? The name Tinny means son of the fox. Book book. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, Patrick, Patrick's leading the game. So, yeah, we're, 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 we're on top of this game right now. I'm so glad to see it. Uh, guys, we'll be watching, thank Patrick. you so much. Have a, have a great day and sell a million. Thank you. Yeah, thank you. Thank you.